Howdy, everybody. This is Arthur Staple, uh, your co-host of No Sleep Till Belmont. Welcome back to our Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Joined, as always, from the uh, beautiful state to the north in Minnesota, Mr. Mark Parrish. Thank How are you, my, my friend? friend? I'm cold. A, I'm a cold. belated uh, happy birthday to you. Ah, thank you very much. Thank what was you, the big Doctor. number uh, this week? 43. Wow. 43. You and Shakira, by the way. Just, <laughs> I just, you both look great. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much dance exactly <laughs> Pretty much, the same, too. If, when, I, when I think of retired hockey players uh, as equivalent to Shakira at that age, I, I think of you, really. <laughs> well, thank no. you so much. Yeah, no, that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we are back. Um, not uh, too much hockey that we missed since it was uh, sort of the, the, big, the tail end of the Islanders' long break last week and one game back, which was actually – Kind of a better game than I think you yeah. might have anticipated coming out of a ten-day break. They um, they got scored on quickly. They fell behind uh, a couple bad goals by Thomas Grice, but they clawed mm-hmm. their way back to get a point. Not a great overtime goal uh, to lose it, but um, there were some things to like in that game. And I think context matters. I know overall uh, it kind of added to the malaise that they've had the last 25 30 games but i think you have to drill down on that one given the break and and you can certainly speak to whether it's an injury or you have the flu or whatever when you're off the ice for that much time in the middle of the season it must be a killer it's 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 not as you know the 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 mental aspect yeah you got to get sharp but that that tends to come back fairly quick the hard part is like the body contact You've been off for 10 days and yeah, you come back, you get up practicing and you know, you can skate. You're like, oh, you know what? My legs feel okay. But then when you get in the corner and you battle with someone, oofta, that's when somebody <laughs> leans on you like, oh, good Lord. Now I got to carry some, is this how it's always been? Is this my whole career? Is this how it's been all season? It's kind of a, oh crap moment. And, and the, on the other side too, for the poor goaltenders, it's a lot of the timing and the angles and just getting their, their mental focus back on staying sharp on the puck. And uh, so when you look at all the things that, that uh, you're worried about, it was a good game. They battled hard, and I'm still not so sure that last one that Hughes, that OT goal, that might have gone off a shin pad. That just seemed like it came off his stick goofy. Uh, yeah, that's certainly one that uh, uh, I think Grice would want another shot at, but at the same time, it just seemed weird the way that came off his stick. And hey, that, that happens. That's hockey. So at least they come back after that long break, and they get a point. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, they got a little lucky, too, getting that third goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock Nelson, who seems to be in the right place at the right time a lot this year, uh, kind of into an empty net six on five. And um, that's the kind of game during their 17-game point streak. That's the one, you know, they would end up winning that game. That's how they kind of got yeah. to that 15-0 and two run. But overall, these last season and this season, those are the kind of games where um, you kind of raise an eyebrow because I've been watching this team for a long time. you played on a couple of teams like that where when they're down you know the islanders historically have stayed down yeah. <laughs> a lot in the last it's two a decades horrible feeling being on that bench on those teams right where you know when you fall behind Ugh. by two it's going to be hard and yep. uh and they you know they managed to get points out of some of those games and that's really been the hallmark of barry trotz's teams is the ability to get points out of games when it doesn't seem like an islander team would and they got one out of that one and um yeah i think uh, i think a little nod to Brock Nelson, who's got uh, 21 goals in 50, 50 games, and probably outside of the goalies who have really, you know, carried the load a lot. Even though a couple, you know, there's been a couple stumbles the last 10 or 15. I think Brock Nelson is your Islanders MVP this year. It's uh, it's been it's been quite the steady trajectory, which is not always the way it is after you sign a big deal uh, coming out of last season. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's it's the timeliness, the way, you know, how he's scoring the goals. He just like you said, he's he's in the right place at the right time. He, he His goal is the reason they got a point. Uh, and he's just finding a way. And to go along with that, yeah, like to have that belief uh, the, to, to turn over from my first year with the Islanders into that second year uh, where there was a belief on the bench that you were always in the game. It cannot be understated. It is is so important for that team uh, in the locker room, just going into the next game, that to truly feel like they're never out of a game. And yeah, and those are the goals that Brock's been scoring all year. Whether it's the first one to get them going against a team that maybe they're a little shaky, nervous against, and or scoring the big goal at that end, like the, those those moments, those those goals, those timely goals, have been huge. Yeah, and we saw on the other end of the spectrum. Um, Tom Kunakle didn't get off the bench in the third period, and his line with Derek Broussard and Michael Del Call were on for all three uh, regulation goals by the Canucks. Um, which, as we said, Quinn Hughes's first one was was kind of an excuse me shot from off the wing, yeah. that, uh, kind of pinballed around through Thomas Grice's pads. Um, yep. But that forward line struggled a lot, and I think uh, Kunakle kind of made a mental mistake where he broke his stick uh, on Vancouver's first goal, and the bench is right there. He needed to kind of go and get one and be an effective player in the play, and Tried to play goalie and didn't really work out out of the point. Yeah. Um, Rarely so ever does. Yeah. So I think, you know, coming out of that break, I think Barry Trotz had, was kind of trying to pump up that third line and say we're, we're gaining some trust. But now uh, you turn around after that game Saturday and on Monday, yesterday, Kiefer Bellows comes up. <laughs> His first call up, uh, 16 goals so far this season in, uh, in Bridgeport and three. 13 of those, I think, are in the last 25 games or 20 games. Um, so he's a you know, 2016 first-round pick, um, a guy who struggled quite a bit in his first pro year last year. I think he had uh, 12 goals in, in 70 games with the Sound Tigers. And um, I, it's a tough spot to be in, to be drafted by one GM and overseen by one essentially team president and Garth when the, when the pick is made and then a new set of eyes comes in, new coaching staff, new, some new front office people, new guy in charge of hockey ops. So, um, you know, he's kind of starting from scratch a little bit last year and didn't impress a whole lot, but, um, you know, he certainly got the pedigree, nice Minnesota yeah, boy. Um, absolutely. and he's going to get a shot tonight. Uh, you know, what do you know of him and, and what do you think a guy like that can, can bring to a lineup, uh, especially that line that needs, Needs something. It's there's a few things you could say, but but something yeah. to me is the first thing that comes to mind. The first thing that comes to to my mind with Kiefer and just like his old man is he's got confidence and and rightfully so. I mean he he can play offensively. Uh, he finds ways to score goals. He scored big goals in World Juniors. He has scored big goals his whole life. And 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 I agree that can be tough when you, you to go along that pro first your first pro year and all of a sudden you've got a a new GM coming in later after that and and you got to find a whole new set of expectations maybe and you're not quite sure where you're at as well as it's just tough learning the pro game Uh, you know and that just takes time playing so many games the travel especially the American League on the bus all the time and and you're going through all that Uh, but man he, he can score goals he's he's a difference maker uh, as long as the the one thing that scares me, just like uh, 
not speaking about myself, but every other Minnesotan that comes out of uh, high school and plays in the NHL, they kind of got to learn how to not be a liability defensively and not just worry <laughs> about scoring goals all the time. <laughs> not me, of course. Not not me, of course, but uh, everyone else. No, it, so th- 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 there's a learning process there uh, that you've got to be able to be responsible as as well as an offensive threat. But most importantly, he can't he cannot put his team in a liability in the D zone. That being said. Uh, going through the neutral zone in the offensive zone, he, he, he's got great instincts. He, he's got a good shot. He, he finds a way to score his goals. He loves scoring goals. I love his intensity. And, and honestly, I love his confidence. I, he, he has a belief in himself that if he gets that puck on his stick in the O zone, that's going to hit the back of the net. And that is 90% of the battle for goal scores. Yeah, and I think from what we've seen limited time of him, whether it's prospect camps, prospect games, or a bunch of preseason games, is he plays with an edge. You know, he's he's a solidly yep. built guy. He's not afraid to, to get some contact or initiate some contact. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's, I think, kind of driving the net. You know, he's got that great shot. But I think, uh, you know, where he maybe faltered a little bit the last year plus – uh, was kind of trying to rely on it too much instead of doing yep. all the other detail work, getting to the front of the net, getting to the shooting areas where you don't, you know, maybe don't have time to, to really crank one, but you still have to be able to get there to kind of create, you know, traffic and, and opportunities for everybody else. So yep. um, that's going to be paramount for him. He's playing on a, on a third line that kind of has been getting the fewest five-on-five five minutes. He didn't practice any power play, so he's not going to be in there yet. Um so this is going to be, you know, it's a it's a limited window. You you get yeah. as a young guy, especially as a midseason call up, um, you don't get many opportunities to make mistakes. So uh, you know, I think yeah. Barry was saying today, you know, you, you you kind of force a guy if he's getting fifteen five on five shifts or twelve five on five shifts for his for his NHL debut, you better keep it simple. You know, you take the opportunities <laughs> when they're there. And I think back yeah. to Oliver Wallstrom's first game early in the season, you know, and, and he's a bit younger guy, but he was he was revved up, but also, you know, revved up but contained. Like he took his shots yes. when he when they were there. He he made some hits. He kinda got engaged physically. Um, you know, maybe the defensive side, like you said, it's gonna it's a process because you're not gonna be great at the system stuff right away. But uh but I think for Bellows it's it's about shooting the puck when you have the opportunity, uh, you know, physically engaging with a very big Dallas team. Um, that plays a very clogging style. You're not going to be able to dance around a couple of guys. They just, that's just, there's not a lot of open ice when you play them. So it's going to be a good test for him. And I think kind of the way that Wallstrom got this, the test against the defending cup champs in St. Louis, it's, um, yeah. you know, you're not, you're not easing into it against the Detroit or New Jersey here. This is, these are the big boys. Yeah, and this is a this is a good test. Uh, this is also uh, uh, I, I got to believe that Lou and Barry are looking at this a uh, little bit of a test on uh, Mr. Bellows. That uh, is what what are we looking for coming on the stretch, uh, moving into the playoffs? Assuming we come a playoff team and you need that depth, you need those extra players. Will he be able to come in and and be that extra guy? What can we keep him in our lineup and maybe we don't have to make a trade and he can come in, uh, not play every night and do exactly what you just said will he can he be smart yes we know he's got offensive ability but can he fill a role for us one night here or one night there or you know what i mean it's it's a good look for them to see if he he has the capacity at this time in his career to be one of those players and which might end up kind of saving a trade pick or you never know they maybe they're kind of 
fishing them a little bit for a trade. You, you, you never know yeah. when, when call-ups happen this time of year. Uh, you always want it to me. It's it, right when I see a call-up come up this time of year, and, and somebody that hasn't been up here and there, you kind of want. It's always a kind of a why are they bringing them up here? Is this <laughs> is a is this bait? Or is this? Are they seeing what he can do and seeing if they can actually use him coming on the stretch during a run? Yeah, because we've certainly talked an awful lot about trade possibilities and really the 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 area that they need the the most shoring up is that third line, especially on the wings. Yeah. Um, you know, they've kind of rotated Ross Johnston, Kunakel, Michael Del Call have been through there. Leo Komarov when when Cal Clutterbuck was healthy, um, and they haven't really found a consistent solution. You know, Kunakel kills penalties and does it very well and taking him out of the lineup is, was probably a difficult decision for Barry Trotz because he likes to have his his role players his guys that yeah. uh you know he's got his power play guys that are also even strength forwards and he's got his penalty kill guys and you take you already have Clutterbuck out you take Kunakal out it puts a little bit more of a strain on Sezikis and Komarov on Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey um you're gonna maybe see some guys that don't penalty kill very much Beauvillier Matt Martin get back in the rotation a little bit so um, this uh, this could be an impactful decision going forward with with him on one side and Michael Del Call on the other, and um, you know it, it it's uh, it's maybe a little bit out of what Barry Trotz has kind of we, we, we've come to expect of him, where he he tends to choose the veterans over the the younger guys because of the comfort and the trust factor and and knowing that they know their roles. Yeah. So I'm curious to see, uh, like you said, is this. Is this a loophole? Is this a, right. Is this a, is this a, is this a showcase? Is yeah, it is it you know. an opportunity to, like you said, to save an asset and use one of your one of your bigger name prospects uh, mm-hmm. uh, to fill a spot? Uh, I think uh, I think you have to perform, and I wonder, you know, beyond tonight, um, whether if it's good or not, if if it'll continue and um, and they can kind of pat, keep patching the the holes that they have to get through to the trade deadline without without uh, really needing to make a, a big concession as far as their uh, their assets go. And these are the opportunities that you have as a young player with Kiefer is, is make it hard for him. You want to make it a hard decision either way. You want to play great. You want to come up and play great. Either whether it's somebody looking for you and they're maybe looking to, to fill an older guy, bring in an older guy for that third line center, or you, you, know, you play great and force them to keep you. You, just, you always want to force a hard decision. Yeah, well... Um... You know, his dad is 49th all-time in goals, 485, Brian Bellows, and yeah. will be, we'll be in the stands tonight. So we'll see if Keeper Bellows can add, put put a one or maybe more than that next to his own name to give the father-son Bellows team a little bit more of a boost in the NHL goal total. I'd love um, it. <laughs> um, now as far as the schedule goes, and I think this is kind of the other thing when we're talking about the trade deadline. Um, yeah. which is still 20 days away, a long way off. But uh, And they have, amazingly, they have, uh, I believe it's 11 games between now and the deadline, which is a lot of games for 20 days. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, and after tonight, Dallas is no joke. Dallas has smoked the Islanders, I think, four out of the last five meetings, including uh, the last couple of years in Brooklyn, have just been wipeouts by Dallas. Uh, they've got L.A., who's been struggling, coming in on Thursday. And then after that, it is a gauntlet at Tampa, at Washington. On a back-to-back, they come home and play Philly, so they're home for basically yeah. one night. Fly back out at Nashville, at Vegas, at Arizona, at Colorado. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot about this team yeah. in these next uh, nine games. And I think Lou Lamarillo is going to learn a lot about this team. I, you know, I've, I used to hear it a lot from Garth Snow, and I think he was quoting Lou Lamarillo 
when he said, "Your team, your team tells you what you what you're going to do at the deadline. Your team says, <laughs> are we good enough to make you add a few pieces, or are we not that team that we hoped we'd be? And you either stand pat and finish out the season, or you start selling off. Now, I don't think they're going to be sellers, and I think we've talked about this. They have, you know, Lamarillo spent." Much of last offseason, signing their, some of their key guys to very long-term deals and then bringing mm-hmm. in Semyon Varlamov on a long-term deal. So this is not uh, – they're not anywhere close to a rebuild. They certainly don't have the caliber of young players waiting to come into the lineup that you'd think they'd need to be rebuilding. Um, and they've got a lot of long-term contracts that are not movable. So they're not really – sell. you know, the, the guys yeah. that they have available to sell are – Broussard, who wouldn't fetch you much. Thomas Grice, I mean, everybody seems to be selling a goalie right now. Um, so this is not a selling team. I, I had put out uh, in a story today that they could be an interesting buyer, uh, not only looking for pieces that, you know, the names, whether it's Tyler Toffoli, Connor Sheary, J.G. Pajot. Man, we've talked about these guys for months now, it seems. But yeah. um, so that's one way you buy. The other way that you buy at this time of year, and it's usually associated with teams that are out of it, uh, is if you have enough cap space, you go to a Toronto or an Arizona, one of those teams that if you look on Cap Friendly, which is my favorite site on the internet, and you see <laughs> the list of teams that are either using long-term injured reserve money uh, to get over to be over the cap um, or just close enough to the cap, there's about 15 teams, about half the league is using LTIR to, to be cap compliant or, or within a million bucks the, the top end of the cap. So you go to one of those teams if you have tons of cap space, and you say, "Hey, give us one of your terrible contracts that is expiring this I'll year, preferably, <laughs> and then I'll take one of your actual prospects or maybe a second round pick." I mean, I think you see these in the off season a lot more. You yeah. can think of Carolina's probably had two of the bigger ones in the last few years, going way back when they got Brian when they took Brian Bickle's contract from Chicago, and oh, excuse me, we'll also take Tavo Teravainen, who's now one of their best players, right? And then this past offseason at the draft, they got a first a, a, a top 10 protected first-round pick from the Leafs to take Patrick Marlowe's contract. They couldn't convince him to stay. They bought it out. But now they have Toronto's first-round pick, and lo and behold, Toronto is looking up at the playoffs right now. So Genius. Yeah. So these things um, tend to come together, I think, more in the offseason. But with the Islanders sitting there with about – they can take on about $16 million worth of contracts right now, and that'll just go yeah. up. That stuff accrues day by day, so it could be closer to $17 million by the time February 24th rolls around. So I think they're in an, in an interesting position where they can not only be buyers using some of their assets to get players that they want, but they can also take players that other teams don't want to allow them to make moves. And Toronto comes to mind because they're always right up against the cap. Um, they're using LTIR. They've got a guy in Cody Cece who's really struggling on their blue line who makes, mm-hmm. I think, is on a $4.5 million cap hit. If they want to do anything, they've got to move a contract. That's the most likely one. The yeah. Islanders could take Cody Cece and never play him, and just take the just put that that cap number on their on their salary cap. Keep the guy here. He is a veteran. He could be there in case you know the kind of the break glass in case of emergency guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then maybe they get a, a prospect from the Leafs. It's um, yeah. it, you know lose a smart guy. He's been yeah. thinking of this for a long time. I I just thought of it recently and just kind of made it sound more coherent than I think I just made it sound. But you did very well, actually. Well, very, thank very you. Well. Um, it's uh, it's just an interesting uh, possibility 
for them because three weeks out from the deadline, I would imagine that's a way to get some assets that either you can turn around and flip for players that you do want or you keep them and you say, we've got an extra second-round pick when June rolls around. Maybe we'll make a trade then. So I think uh, I think it's it's been a pretty decent move to save all this cap space all year long, and now maybe it's time to use it. Yeah, and well said. Well said. <laughs> I, I, honestly, no, that was, that was I, I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, if that was in the cards for Luke. To, to go back to what you even said earlier, with, with the salaries, with what this team has, uh, the contracts and everything, excuse me, the, the length of contract, what, what, what they're looking at, uh, what's the quick move? I mean, there's the, it, it'd have to almost be a, a pseudo blockbuster because of the trades that would have to make sense over with the contracts and everything like that. Uh, and, and two, um, I, I just, Lou thinks of everything. And I feel like nothing gets by the man. You know, they don't always work out. We always hope they do. But no matter how good you are, whether it's a player, GM, organization, it doesn't matter. They always don't work out in the end. But, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. And that's still, and that goes back to the whole Kiefer Bellows thing where this could easily be coming from Lou, where maybe this won't be the first one. I, I haven't paid that much attention to Bridgeport to see, like, all right, Let's see a couple of these young guys. Let's see what could possibly happen here in the next 20 days. Uh, Kiefer is the first one getting this shot, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, and, you know, it's um, it's funny. Pierre Lebrun, our, uh, one of our insiders, well, our, one of our only insiders, but one of the insiders that, you know, from TSN and working for us at The Athletic, uh, proposed a few trades that he thought made a lot of sense. And, you know, when he proposes a trade, I don't think he's just pulling it completely out of thin air. He talks to agents and GMs and everybody, so he's got a sense of who's looking at what, uh, even if yeah. Lou Lamarillo's not telling anybody anything. Uh, and his proposal that involved the Islanders was J.G. Pajot uh, yeah. and Ron Hainsey, who's a guy from your era, pretty yeah. much. Bringing um, back the old guy. Love it. <laughs> coming down to the Islanders for a conditional second-round pick. That would be a first if, say, the Islanders advance to the conference finals, which is the kind of conditional pick trade we've seen a lot at the deadline the last few years. A conditional third from 2021, which would become a second if Pajot signed with the Islanders. And, lo and behold, Kiefer Bellows. Um, Because the Islanders (laughs) do need... The the one factor here that that I didn't mention earlier about, uh, you know, taking on a bad contract or making all these moves is the Islanders uh, have 49 contracts right now. You're allowed to have 50, and that includes draft picks, guys in the AHL that are on two-way contracts or on NHL contracts, and obviously guys that are up at the big club. So uh, you're only allowed to go to 50, and that goes for the whole season. Um, And so they'd have to to move some bodies out. They obviously have some guys in Bridgeport that are not necessarily prospects that you can kind of swap – to yep. somebody else's AHL team, if if need be, um, but that involves some some horse trading. So um, <laughs> you know you can't just can't just add and add and add. Um, so Pierre's uh, so Pierre's uh, conceptualized trade, the one that made sense, brings two bodies in, and Hainsey is a left defenseman. Which if the Islanders are going to bring in a veteran guy like that, it's probably going to be a lefty. I mentioned yeah. Cody CC before, as he's in the bad contract category, not necessarily like the. Uh, the, the uh, we want to play him category um, yeah. and Pajot's really the guy I think I think they'd love to target you know he's uh, yeah. he, he's in a, on an expiring contract he's been playing a ton in Ottawa he certainly wouldn't play quite as much here but uh, but he's a role playing guy who's producing a lot playing kind of out of his usual role as a, as a third line face off guy uh, you know 
bit of a spark plug type, uh, you know, a little guy who who hits and goes goes to the middle of the ice, penalty killer. He fits what Barry Trotz is trying to accomplish with this team. So when Pierre LeBron suggests it, it sounds great, and I yeah. think a lot of fans are like, well, I don't really care what Pierre LeBron thinks, but I think you should because uh, you should pay he might he might be on <laughs> he might be onto something. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, there's a reason he's throwing it out there, and yeah, and I, I and I agree. Uh, when we discussed this earlier, and uh, to Foley, uh, obviously would love to Foley, but I think he's gotten into a position where where he's going to cost too much. Uh, there's just now the the with the, as much as I'm hearing from out here and from the Western teams, uh, it's, I I don't think I like that price for the Islanders for what he's probably going to cost. Cause it seems like there's plenty of suitors where I feel the same thing. JG Peugeot. Uh, I, I feel like he, he could come in with at a good price for, for Lou and for the Islanders. Cause you just, uh, regardless of how, how we look at this, it, it, I, you don't, this isn't a year where you really, this isn't a big sacrificial year for the Islanders. This isn't a go for it. How many draft picks do you want for you know Mark Stone kind of year? This is this is a different little different area where they can add a player like that 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 could work moving forward in the future as well. Yeah, and I think you know Pajot, like we said, he's he's young enough. I think he's twenty eight. Um, mm-hmm. If they wanted to sign him to be their number three center going forward, it wouldn't be a big stretch. The, exactly. The, the the I guess working against them and working against everybody else is Pajot is from the Ottawa area. His wife is from the Ottawa area. The Senators are actually considering what everyone expected them to be are not that bad. I think they they're starting to starting to turn the ship around a little bit. Um, the only thing I think working against them is they have an owner who's not in love with giving out big money contracts. Um, so Nor is he you know, ever right, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, we've certainly lived through that era a lot in the last three decades here on the island, but. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have that situation, I think that can certainly throw some doubt into a player's mind, even if it is home. You want to go where you're wanted and where you can get maximize your value, uh, and you can always go home in the offseason. So, and win. And win. And win. And win. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, nobody's saying this is set in stone, but it's uh, nope. it's definitely an intriguing possibility. And as we get into the kind of the tractor beam towards February 24th where more teams start to fall out of it, uh, more teams feel like they can go for it, Somebody's going to break the logjam here at some point in the next week or so because you want to be able yeah. to maximize your return and get a guy for as long as you can possibly get him. Um, so I'm curious to see. You know, the, the, the Islanders do seem to be at a bit of a crossroads right now. They're going to try Bellows for whether to sh- showcase or really try. Yeah. Um, they know what they have in the rest of their, their forward group. Um, and on D, you know, Noah Dobson is still it's still five and a half men back there. Um, they're not they're not ready to give Dobson the keys to uh, a full <laughs> a full turn. Um, it's interesting to see. You know, I, I've seen Thomas Hickey around the uh, Islanders practice facility. He's rehabbing his uh, his injury that's kept him out. I think from Bridgeport since about November. And the fact that the yeah. Sound Tigers are playing and he's down here rehabbing is probably not the best sign so you know he's a guy that would fill a fill a number seven defenseman spot he's a lefty he, he kind yeah. of you know if the Islanders make a trade it's going to be for someone like that that's um a veteran that that can kind of be in or out of the lineup so um so yeah I'm I'm curious to see where this goes the next uh, in the short term with Bellows and uh and longer term with a very very difficult schedule before the trade deadline 
Yeah. And, uh, and I like, I like how, especially last year, I think I emphasized that the, the teams that wait till right till the, the deadline doesn't seem to work out for all so much. Uh, I love that now, like you start now, I get excited now because I feel like there's going to, it just, it's starting to trend more like the, 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 the good, the big deals are getting done before the deadline as opposed to waiting till three o'clock Eastern on, what was that day again? <laughs> uh, February 24th. This year is February 24th. Yeah, you know, I, and I think we talk about contracts and we talk about, um, you know, cap implications. Uh, you know, the rosters expand after the trade deadline, too. So sometimes you want to wait to the, the last possible second so that you don't have to send somebody through waivers. Um, there's a lot of considerations to, to waiting. And also, sometimes you just have to wait for the guy on the other end of the, you know, the guy to answer your text, the other GM. <laughs> That's the that's the killer part. I imagine is that you can want all you want, and it's still t- somebody else has to say. You know, you have to wait for that little ellipsis to end, and the guy to say yes or no, or hang on, get back to me tomorrow, or what? You know, it's it's um it's the impa- you're you're you've been retired long enough, and you're one of us in the media now, yeah. and also you're a fan, so the impatience comes right up oh, to the surface. Just. <laughs> kills me come on we, you, we both know they can get it done in five minutes if they want to like we both know that they just I re- don't they just don't I remember talking to, to uh, Garth Snow uh, about the Ryan Smith trade that, that uh, the Islanders made in uh, his first year um, where it came together like literally the day of the deadline where he was, mm-hmm. I, it sounded like they were kind of you know having very peripheral discussions, and it was one of many discussions. And then all of a sudden that day, it was just like, all right, he'll he'll come. What are we What are we going to do? And it was like, I imagine seeing Garth like flipping papers on the desk, like, oh my god, like what's happening now? Like you know, on the speakerphone, like, hang on a second, just like fake flipping through stuff, trying to f- stall for time to figure out what they could trade for him. Right. But uh, but yeah, so it's uh, you know. The, the longer I do this, the more you get to talk to general managers about how these things come together and you you have it in your head that it's one thing and it's sometimes it's just meatball surgery. You just kind of like, oh, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Okay, it's done. And after talking for two weeks, you get it done in 45 seconds. So right. um, oh, it'll, just... uh, it'll be fun and we'll, I'm sure, have another full-on deadline show for everyone out there uh, as we get closer to it or when the Islanders do make a deal or do not make a deal. Um, but yeah, you know, tonight, uh, we'll be looking for, to see what Kiefer Bellow do, Bellows yeah. does and they need two points. Um, we didn't really get into the fact that they're now sitting in the last wild card spot and, uh, depending on the results tonight could be, uh, looking up at the top eight for the mm-hmm. first time really since the first couple weeks of the season, they do have games in hand on everybody around them. And I think you can't really fully panic until you start to get even in those games played numbers. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the, I imagine it's it's not you know you, you guys notice the standings and oh when you, absolutely if, oh if this time of year for sure you log on to NHL.com or whatever and you look at it and suddenly you're you're below that like that very dark line that separates the playoff teams from the non-playoff teams it must uh, it must kind of give you a little bit of a sinking feeling especially for this team with the way that they started yeah and and looking forward at their schedule uh how many of their games against the western conference right their last it's somewhere in the teens i believe yeah the last some games so um they they though that's a situation where you've really got to take advantage of those games in hand 
you can't it's not earlier in the year where like all right well well we're playing dallas at least it doesn't give anybody else two points well no these are your games in hand so not only is it put that much more emphasis on the teams in the against the western conference and then you've got to pay even more so attention against your teams that you're fighting for jockeying for positioning in the eastern conference so it's a uh, not that it's an easy situation for any team in the league right now because everyone's trying to fight and get be- get better and, and play their best hockey and get into the playoffs but you really got to pay attention to those games in hand, especially against the next conference, against the Western Conference for them. Yeah, and they do have, you know, there's these next two at home, and then quick tour through uh, their, you know, the East, starting with Tampa, and then back-to-back games in their division with Washington and Philly, and that Philly one is going to be huge because that's one of the yep. teams that they're kind of jockeying for position. Exactly. And then you go out West for a, for a whole week, and I know everybody talks about, Oh, it's good to get away, blah blah blah. But if you're if you're scuffling it, sometimes yeah. not so no, great to exactly. get away. <laughs> and the trade deadline is a week away. Sometimes <laughs> that's, that's not so great. We'll we'll talk more about that when that yeah. uh, when that time comes up. But uh, exactly. <laughs> so uh, my last question to you, Mark, is: Did you ever score a goal on your birthday in your career? God, I hope so. <laughs> um, I know I got knocked out once in Columbus. Uh, <laughs> do, do tell. I, oh yeah, uh, and it was uh, it was my it was actually my first pro concussion. Uh, I did, at least I got a penalty for it. I didn't. The, the, I'm not sure who got me. Uh, they thought the pass was coming and and literally caught me right on the chin with a shoulder. And I wasn't looking, and the puck was nowhere around me. Uh, <laughs> and I actually got up. I thought it was fine. I got up, played played the rest of that period. Went in. Um, trainers checked me over, and they're like, "Well, you seem all right." And then after the second period, I uh, went back into the locker room and. Uh, started feeling nauseous and I started throwing up and uh, literally the trainer was standing outside the stall. It's like, yeah, you're done. That's, that's, <laughs> that's enough. And he's like, I thought you were, but you, you know, it's, it's a tough decision for them to make. And it's not always, it's, it's, it's there's a lot of gray area there with concussions, yeah. especially with uh, strange uh, people like me. Um, so yeah, no, that was, that was, uh, that was my uh, first concussion in the NHL. Yeah. My birthday. Well, Happy birthday to me. A- I mean, you were in Columbus too. It was already a great yeah. birthday, so right, yeah. It was like nothing against the people of Columbus and the city. It's a lovely city. It's just you know that's not where you were playing. Were you in Florida or the Islanders then? That was actually with the Wild. I didn't get my first oh. pro concussion until I was with the Wild. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it, was, it took a few years. So you could have been at home, and instead you were on the road getting a concussion. That that doesn't sound like the best birthday, but well, at least it's not didn't happen in front of my parents and wife. Okay, fair enough. We'll have to do some. I'll have to do some some research to see if you ever scored a goal. Yeah, I in your literally birthday. have no idea. <laughs> okay. well, you scored a lot of goals. I I can totally understand. I I know that I got I got a lot of weekends off on my birthday because it happened to be All Star Weekend all the time. So I really oh, liked nice. that. I, so I, there was I was always had a couple two three breaks two three day breaks there on my birthday. I did love that. I think. Uh, We've done this. Uh, Craig Custance, one of our national writers, did this with Alex, yeah. Alex Ovechkin. I think we're going to do this with you. One of these shows coming up where we where we test you on how on the top ten goalies you've scored the most goals on in your career. So we're gonna. You better study up hard. Damn you. <laughs> Ooh, we do have a I'm already we, thinking. We do have a show coming <laughs> later in the week, so you never know. Anyway, we're just riffing here. Story time. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) This is No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. That's Mark Parrish, who's going to think about the goalie (laughs) he scored on the most. I'm Arthur Staple. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.